as they're born, as they go off to school for the first time, middle school, high school, still influencing through college, watching their children that they've raised become influencers in the kingdom of God. Father, we have mothers in this room with newborns all the way up to those that are grandmothers, great-grandmothers. Father, we value and love our moms today. Not just today, but on this day that we have an opportunity to step aside and say thank you. And we love you. And I want to pray specifically over the moms that don't have the father role. They're operating outside of your order. Father, I thank you for your grace, for your power that undergirds them, that guides them through those moments. Father, we thank you that you have empowered them. There was no surprise. This wasn't a surprise to you. But Father, you have empowered that mother to operate the special gift of special grace and I pray favor over them I pray peace over them I pray comfort over them as they try to entertain both assignments that you have placed in the family role Father Father we thank you for this day I thank you for every mom I thank you for the value that they are to their families and to us I pray that every investment every word every hug every Smile every correction that they do in love, Father. I thank you that it is received in your kingdom. Their true reward lies with you. We love you and we thank you for what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. On behalf of Anchor Faith Church, happy Mother's Day. Can we honor them one more time? Come on. Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Our children may be dismissed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What a special day. What a special day. Go with me to Mark chapter 11, if you would. Mark chapter 11. Kids say the darndest things, huh? (laughs) Baymax. That's just because he watched it that morning, that's all. We love our kids. We love our kids. Hallelujah. Mark chapter 11, verse 22. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. What a simple statement. Have faith in God. As if there was an alternative. As if there was an option. Have faith. In God. That means don't have doubt in God. Don't have disbelief in God. Don't don't have worry in God. Have faith 
in God. And he qualifies it. He says, have faith in God. Sometimes we end up putting our faith in stuff that's not God. Sometimes we end up believing another report more than we believe God, more than we believe his word. But Jesus says, have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. Have faith in God. We are in the middle of a series. We're in our third installment of challenges and challengers. We've been talking about how we face the struggles in life, the, the trials in life, the tests in life. And remember, we started off, we said that, this, that we're not going to preach, you know, five steps to never having a test in your life again, right? We're not talking about avoiding tests. We're talking about going through tests. And we've got more people that want to go around the mountain, avoid the mountain, stay away from the mountain. But God's got a way through it. And Jesus promises that there would be tests, that there would be struggles. He said, in this world, you'll have many trials. You'll have many trials. But be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. And in, in, in the midst of the trial, be of good cheer. In the midst of the struggle, be excited. Be happy. Be happy in the midst of the trial. We know James says, uh, count it all joy. Consider it all joy when you fall into various trials. We've been looking at that. You know, most of us count it joy when we get out of a trial. And he says, count it all joy when you fall into a trial. You see, all that Jesus is talking about, all that James is talking about is perspective. That's all he's identifying. He's saying, if you could see the test the way I see the test, you wouldn't avoid the test. You'd be, you'd be excited for the test. You would welcome the test. It's our perspective and perception of something that changes how we respond to a thing. It's our perspective. And so Jesus is speaking with his disciples here, and, and he says, you speak to the mountain. Be removed and be cast into the sea. The goal is that the mountain is removed. The goal is that we get away from the mountain. The goal is that we overcome and conquer the mountain. That's the objective here. That's the assignment. That's the goal. That is the desired end result. That this mountain that is in front of me, I get away, I, I get through it. I get over it. I get past it. It's removed and cast into the sea. I don't know what your mountain is today. We've all got mountains that are waiting for us to conquer. Waiting for us to conquer. Remember we said this about the mountain that, you know, if, if you took an avid mountain climber and you put him on a mountain and said, we, this is your mountain, we want you to conquer this. 
and they're struggling and they're trying to climb this thing and they keep running into issues and, and but the goal is to get to the top of the mountain to challenge to to meet the challenge and get the desired result to conquer a mountain is to get to the top of it and you fly by on a helicopter halfway up and say hey I can get you straight to the top they're probably going to turn that down because they recognize that the challenge is in the climb the challenge is in the climb. I haven't conquered the mountain just because I got to the top. I conquered the mountain because I climbed the mountain. I conquered it by climbing. The challenge wasn't just let me find the most creative way to zip myself to the top. It's how do I overcome each challenge within the ultimate challenge? But what Jesus is speaking of here, and you've probably heard us and maybe other pastors minister on it before, this is a message on faith. He says, if you say with your mouth and believe in your heart without doubting, you will have whatever you say. He's talking about faith. Your challenge will require faith. The challenges and challengers that come in life will require your faith. I'm going to tell you right now, if your faith is weak, you're weak. The area of our life that has to be strengthened when we're in the midst of a challenge is our faith. It's our belief system. Ultimately, you could say it this way. The challenge isn't against you. It's testing your faith. In fact, I have confirmation on that because James chapter 1, James chapter 1, in verse 2 says it this way. James chapter 1 says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. I think I needed to put verse 3 in there. I can turn there. Yep. Verse 2 says, Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Verse 3, knowing that the testing of your what? Faith, the testing of your faith produces patience. See, all along you thought you were being tested. This whole, this whole time you thought the attack was coming against you. You thought this thing was personal. You thought this challenge at work or this financial challenge or the marriage challenge or the, the challenge with your children, you, thought you were taking it personal. You thought it was all about you. But it was really the testing of your faith. That's been producing patience in you. Your faith is getting tested. Your faith is taking a heat. It's your belief system in God. Jesus said, have faith in God. If you're going to conquer that mountain, you've got to have faith in God. If you don't have faith in God, you can't talk to a mountain. If you don't have faith in God, you're not going to throw a rock at a giant and think that's going to kill him when he's a man of war. Talked about David and Goliath last week. If you don't have faith in God, you're not going to stick a rod in the air and expect a, a sea in front of you to part and get 500,000 people across it before the Egyptians kill you. If you don't have faith in God, you're not going out into all the world preaching the gospel to every creature, to every nation, and planting churches even in the midst of the greatest tribulation this church has ever known. 
you don't have faith in God, you're not coming down from heaven to earth to give yourself as a living sacrifice to die on a cross. Every action, every challenge that was met in the word of God was overcome, not by man's strength, but by God's. See, this is why we read the Bible, especially as little kids, and it becomes fairy tales. That stuff is hard to believe sometimes. Now, how in the world are we supposed to believe that an 85, a 75-year-old man is told he's going to have a child for the first time? That's unbelievable. Just based in, on, on natural circumstances, that's unbelievable. That's, that's not something that happens every day. A 17-year-old shepherd boy that knows nothing about military, nothing about war, nothing about fighting, takes out a 9-foot-6 giant that can cream him with one swipe of his fist, much less the weaponry that he has on him. That's unbelievable. A 500-year-old man who is one of of eight righteous people on the face of the planet is told to build an ark and he's going to save the entire world with this man's obedience. That's unbelievable. It, it seems unbelievable. But what we're missing is it's not about the person, it's about the faith. We can't talk about challenges and challengers and trials and tests in life without talking about faith because if we don't build our faith, we don't beat the challenge. If we don't build our faith, we don't beat the challenge. James 1.3 says it's knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. The testing of your faith. 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Paul is writing this at the end of his life. And he's writing it to a man that's just getting started. Paul's getting ready to finish, and Timothy's getting ready to start. And Paul says this in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. He says, I have fought the good fight. I have fought the good fight. Tests, challenges, struggles, tribulations. I have finished the race. And what's the last statement? I have kept the faith. Are we in the test and is it taking our faith or are we building our faith? It's a good question to ask ourselves in the middle of a struggle. Is this test destroying my faith in God or is it just proving that my God is that great? talking with our leadership last night and we were talking about disappointment. Disappointment is the result of unmet expectations. Disappointment is the result of unmet expectations. You are disappointed when you didn't reach a desired end. When we didn't reach the goal that we thought we were supposed to attain to. And see, James 1.3, going back to that again, it says, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. See, we thought it was supposed to produce blessing. The testing of my faith produces a 
pay raise. The testing of my faith produces a new call. The testing of my faith produces marital bliss. The testing of my faith produces children that love God and obey my every command. The testing of, but no, it says the testing of your faith produces patience. One translation says endurance. The testing of your faith is, is meant, is designed to endure you through the test. The testing of your faith is designed to help you persevere in the midst of the test. It doesn't immediately get you out, but it does get you through. The testing of your faith produces patience. Maybe we've been disappointed in life because we thought the expectation, we thought our result was that we would get out. And God's saying, no, I'm trying to get you through. Because in the midst of the test, I'm trying to show you something. In the midst of the test, I'm trying to prove something to you. In the midst of the test, I'm only trying to get you out of the way. I'm trying to get you out of the way. See, when he was testing Abraham, he was trying to get Abraham out of the way. Get Abraham out of the way. When he was testing David with Goliath, David, get out of the way. Why? Because you can't do it on your own. If you could do it on your own, you wouldn't need God. God loves showing himself strong through us. And that's ultimately where I want to go today, is I just want to show you that in the midst of the, t- of the trial, he's not trying to prove your strength. He's trying to prove your trust in his strength. Many times we, 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 we get in a position in the middle of a test that we're trying to build ourselves. But maybe we need to stop trying to build ourselves and start trying to build our faith. Because it's not your ability that's going to get you through the test. Well, the trial just seems so big. It does because it's not designed for you. It's designed for God through you. God loves asking us to do stuff that we can't do. You go through the Bible and he's putting men in position that they are not physically able to conquer and do these, overcome these things that he's placed them in front of. Abraham is known as the father of faith. If we go to Romans chapter 4, Paul gives an account. This is what I call the behind the scenes. You can go to Genesis chapter 12 and Genesis chapter 15 and Genesis chapter 17. You can learn about Abraham and you can see his story with Isaac. But then we get over to the New Testament and Paul shows us uh, the behind the scenes. What was going on behind the work. This is like the documentary of Abraham's story. Abraham's story is the movie, and now we get to watch the 12-minute documentary where they explain how they did everything they did. Anybody like documentaries? Is that just me? I love documentaries. I love seeing things explained out. I love seeing the stuff, and then you're like, oh, wow, they had to do that. They had to do this. I love that stuff. So Romans chapter 4 is our behind the scenes. This is what's going on inside of Abraham while he's going through the struggle, while he's going through the trial. And starting with verse 13. Romans chapter 4, verse 13 says, For the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through righteousness of faith. Notice notice here that, that the promise 
brought the trial. The promise brought the trial. If we could bring Abraham in this room this morning and say, Abraham, what would you think about that? You know, he'd probably say, you know what? I wish God wouldn't have promised me that I'd be the father of many nations. I wish he would have gone to a 20-year-old kid that just got married that could have babies left and right. Make that guy the father of many nations. Why are you coming to me? I'm 75. I'm not even thinking about kids. I've already settled in the fact that I'm not going to have kids. I mean, him and Sarah are not in a position where they're praying for children. They've already, it's already sunk in. And I can tell you that that's the truth because she laughed. You don't laugh if you've been praying for kids. And then when someone says you're going to have a kid, you're, you don't laugh. But she laughed. And this passage shows us they were in no expectation for a child. So the promise shows up, but the promise comes with the trial. So you've been believing God for things, you've been standing in faith for things, and you've been asking God, you, you have shown me this is going to be my life. This is, this is what I'm going to do. This is where I'm going to be. This is who I'm going to influence. And then, boom, trial. Whoa, wait a minute. I didn't ask you for a trial. I asked you for a promise. And he's saying the promise is at the end of the trial. I've got to test if you can handle the promise by going through the trial. There's a test there. But he says the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Through the righteousness of faith. For if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void and the promise made of no effect. The promise, doesn't, it, the promise is not achieved without faith. The promise is not achieved without faith. It's made of no effect because the law brings about wrath for where there is for the, where there is no law, there is no transgression. Look at verse 16. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. In the presence of him whom he believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. The promise is not achieved without a belief system. We've been trying to build ourselves, and we need to be building our faith. He says, therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace. I need to break down that statement for you. It is of faith according to grace. Faith is your job. Faith is not God's job. That's our assignment. In the midst of the test, in the midst of the trial, in the midst of the struggle, it is our responsibility to stand in faith. Believe in faith. But then it says this, that it might be according to grace. Grace is God's job. 
It is of faith through grace. Your faith without grace won't get the job done. And his grace without your faith won't get the job done. It is of faith through grace. Of faith through grace. Now, what is grace? You know, we've heard all kinds of definitions for grace. And I'm not even going to bother covering them. I'm going to give you the definition for grace. Grace is God's divine empowerment. The grace of God is his ability working through you to accomplish the desired end. The grace of God comes upon your life not to cover stuff, but to empower you. Grace is not a band-aid that covers sin. Grace is, is a fix that controls, uh, controls sin and empowers you to overcome sin. But why are we talking about grace when we're not talking about sin? Because grace is God's divine empowerment to accomplish what he's called you to do. That's why we've got to operate in God's grace. But we've got to stand in faith. Faith is your assignment. Grace is God's assignment. There's nothing you can do to work God's grace. It's his to give, and he gives freely, and he gives liberally. I mean, you came into the kingdom through your faith in God's grace. Your faith, God's grace. It's an equation. We're we're missing a part of the equation if we leave out one or the other. If you're trying to... Uh, operate in your own ability, you've left out God's grace. And if you're trying to operate in God's grace without the faith and trust that he can come through, you're missing your part. It is of faith according to grace who gives life to the dead, calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Verse 18, who, contrary to hope, in hope, believe. What a powerful statement. Contrary to hope, in hope, believed. We're talking about a test. We're talking about a trial. We're talking about a struggle. Sometimes you read these Bible stories, and you see the things they went through, and it just diminishes our... Our trials and our struggles. It's like, man, you know, I'm trying to work, figure out how I'm going to pay the mortgage this week, but at least I don't have a literal giant coming trying to take my head off. Right? At least I'm not standing before 500,000 people that I've just pulled out of Egypt, and I'm standing between them and the ocean, and they're looking at me saying, what's she going to do? And there's an army coming ready to kill us all. I'll take the mortgage payment any day. I'll take an empty gas tank any day. You can keep the Egyptians. You can keep your giants. You can keep your boat. Right? I mean, we read about these. These are trials and tribulations. I can get real with it. I mean, there's trials and tribulations taking place on the other side of the world. I mean, as of today, nobody has approached me and said, claim Jesus as Lord and I take your head off. 
I mean, what's a trial? I'm not trying to diminish the things that we go through. I, I go through stuff. They're all trials. But every trial requires your faith in God's grace. Your faith in God's grace. He says, who contrary to hope, in hope, against all hope, against all the odds. What's that mean? Naturally, there's no way out. Naturally, this is not possible. I don't know if you've ever been in a position like that, where naturally, there's no way this can take place. I, I don't have a whole lot of stories. I'll be 32 in a few weeks. My, my 32 years of life haven't, I mean, I, I can't say they've been difficult. I've faced trials and, and struggles. I mean, some of you know this. My son was born three months early, 27 weeks. We had already lost one two years prior the same way. And today my, my wife is selling, celebrating Mother's Day because of a trust and a belief in God. I did my part. I stood in faith while I watched him hooked up to every single monitor you could find, doing every single test you could do, getting every negative report you could get, going day in and day out, driving an hour both ways, to go and stay the night at a hospital with no hope, contrary to hope, in hope. <laughs> How do you have hope against hope? How do you have a vision of a desired end? When everything in life is trying to erase that vision. And you just keep drawing it back up and they erase it again. And you say, no, it's there. And they come back with the eraser and say, no. It's through faith. It's through faith. You have good days, you have bad days. Good days, our faith is up here. Bad days, our faith is down here. But it's the faith that remains constant. See, contrary to hope, in hope. That means that Abraham wasn't looking at natural ability to determine if God could accomplish something through him. You can put it this way. Abraham wasn't looking around him. He was looking within him. Contrary to hope, outside, I've got hope inside. I'm standing in faith. I'm believing. Even when my wife is laughing in the tent behind me, I'm believing. Even though it's been 25 years since you first told me I was going to be the father of many nations, I was going to have descendants like the sea on the, the ocean and the stars in the sky. Yeah, thanks, God. Thank you all for, you know, for your great analogies and your great demonstration of how many kids I was going to have. But it's been 25 years. Contrary to hope. Against hope. If you're looking for an outside source to determine if the inside vision is coming to pass, we're looking in the wrong place. 
Faith defined, Hebrews 11, you know, defines it for us. Uh, faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. That means if you can see it, you don't need faith. If I can put it together in the natural, then I don't need faith. It's in front of me. Faith is always working on the next thing. Faith is always working on the next thing that isn't seen, the next thing that isn't real, the next thing that I can't put my hand on, the next thing that I I have no idea how it's going to come to pass. It's always working on stuff that's not visible today. This is faith. This is faith. Contrary to hope, in hope, contrary to what's around me, I'm believing in something in me. So that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken. According to what was spoken, the promise. So shall your descendants be. And look at this. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead. I'm sure Abraham and Paul had a few words about that one when they got up to heaven. Now, let me talk to you about something, Paul. You wrote about me way over here, and uh, what's this whole dead thing, man? What's that that all about? Sure, they had a conversation. He did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old. And the deadness. Of Sarah's womb. Even though their body was weak, his faith was strong. Even though the outside circumstance couldn't do it, he knew his faith could accomplish it. Why? I don't consider what's going on out here. I'm just sticking to what I've got in here. Come on now. The detest. The trials, they're talking, they're screaming, they're yelling, they're pushing. They're in your face. It can't be done. You can't do this. This is too big. You're not strong enough. And you're saying, I don't have to be strong enough. I don't have to have all the answers. I don't have to see my way out of this thing because it's in me. It's not around me. I'm not looking for someone to come and cheerlead me through this. I don't have to have all my ducks in a row because ultimately it's not me accomplishing it. It's God in me accomplishing it. Accomplishing it. Not considering the deadness of his body, the deadness of Sarah's womb. I mean, all he does is he starts off with what's inside of him. And he talks about how that's stronger than what's outside of him. Didn't consider his body, which was already dead. Dead means inactive. It means empty, void, ineffective. God loves to take dead things and bring life out of them. God loves to take dead stuff and bring life to it. And the deadness of Sarah's womb, Sarah's womb, he did not waver. He did not waver at the promise 
Wait. Well, now, 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 where's the promise? It's way over here when he was 75 years old. Now we've got 80, 85, 90, 95, 100. Now we're all the way over here. You know what a lot of us do sometimes? Is we get all the way here and we leave the promise back there. We have the promise back there. And we've just gone, taken all these steps through the trial, and we forgot the most important thing. But he says he did not waver at the promise. That means he took that promise, and he went 90, father of many nations, 95, father of many nations, 100. Father of many nations. He didn't waver at the promise. He didn't waver at the promise through unbelief. Through unbelief. See, that doubt comes not to tear you down, but to tear your faith down. He didn't waver at the promise through unbelief. But was strengthened in faith. Was strengthened in faith. It's amazing what faith will do to you. Strengthened. Strengthened in faith that the promise that was spoken will come to pass in due time. Didn't waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. Why? He did it. Giving glory to God. Now, we're still talking about the process here. Are you waiting to give glory to God until you get the promise? Or are you giving glory to God for the promise? When somebody promises you something, if, if I go to Brandon and say, I promise I'm going to give you $100. I'm going to write you a check for $100, I promise you. We don't very rarely say thank you for the promise. We say thank you for the check. Right? I mean, I, 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 I've promised people stuff, and I have never had them ever tell me, thank you for promising me that. I thank you for that promise. Why? Because it ain't coming until I've got it. When I see it, I'll believe it. But see, that's not the way it works with God. Because, see, the second God says it, he's done it. And now we just got to wait for it to show up. Now we just got to be in expectation that the promise he spoke will be the promise he fulfills. Thank him for the promise. Giving glory to God. We're still in it. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. You would be surprised at what your praise will do. The praise brings the promise. 
the praise sees the promise fulfilled at the time it was spoken, not when I've received it. Don't wait. Giving glory to God. Now, look, that goes contrary to everything that the world tells you to do. And you'll look stupid. What are you praising God for? You can't even pay your rent. What are you praising God for? You don't have finance for that. You, you're praising God for. You, you, your, your marriage is a wreck. I'm giving glory to God because he promised me we're coming out of this thing. He promised me we're going to see this answer. He promised me we're going to. And so when he promised, it's as good as done. It's as good as done. Because it's my faith in God's grace. He's performing it. I'm believing it. (laughs) He's not asking you to do it. He's asking you to believe he will do it. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced. Not halfway convinced, not a little bit convinced, not 99% convinced, but fully convinced that he, that what he had promised, he was able to perform. Now, my Bible has capital H's. For he. It's referencing God. There's some, there's some translations that they don't capitalize those letters and it gets me confused sometimes. And this is important. I mean, I'm a grammar guy anyways. I, I, I like grammar. My staff hates that I like grammar, but I like grammar. Because they, they show me something and it takes me two seconds to be like, oh, forgot that. Oh. There needs to be a comma. Oh, this doesn't make sense. Oh, yeah. I'm a grammar guy. And, and so it says being fully convinced that what he, capital H, had promised, that's God. So who promised? God. He, capital H, was able to perform. So who's performing? But a lot of us live like the first H is capital and the second H is little. Like he's expecting you to perform what he promised. I don't know how I'm going to get out of debt. Well, he wouldn't ask you to get out of debt. He said he was going to get you out of debt. I don't know how I'm going to fix this marriage. Well, he's not asking you to fix the marriage. Who's performing? The one that promised. If he promised, he performs it. Now you may remember Abraham tried to perform. He tried to perform God's promise. Don't try to perform God's promise. Don't don't show up and say, you know what, I, I, I can't do it with Sarah, but I can, I can get this job done with with my maidservant. I mean, I'm still a father. 
but he left out the equation. He left out the equation. My faith in God's grace. The second you try to do it, you're trying to override his ability through you. I'm going to tell you right now, you can't perform God's promise. You can't perform it. That's why it seems so big. So we all want great faith, but we don't want the great trials that prove the great faith. The testing of your faith produces patience. See, the testing of Abraham's faith is what is riding him through this 25-year-long process. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, being fully convinced that what he had promised, he, God, was able to perform, and therefore it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now, I've I, I never seen this before, but this goes right into chapter 5, Romans chapter 5. And in the New King James Bible, you have a little tag there before it starts that says, Faith triumphs in trouble. Faith triumphs in trouble. And so I was thanking God for that. You know, I, I thank God for his word, but I also thank God for the writers that put all these little taglines on it because they just titled my message for me. Because that's the title of today's message. Faith triumphs in trouble. And all my note takers are mad at me that I didn't tell them that at the beginning. I don't have any room now. I've got to scroll back to the top. Faith triumphs in trouble. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have access by faith into this grace. My faith gets me into God's ability. What's my faith in? My faith is not in my ability. My faith is not in my uh, 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 ability to perform what God is asking me to do. God, my faith is getting me into his ability to perform what he can do. We have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. I rejoice because God is about to show himself strong through me. And I'm just standing in faith and accessing his ability and God's going to perform on my behalf. I'm standing. I'm standing. And rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. Knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. See, God's not just wanting to get you out. He's wanting to get you through. And so if you want to finish something, you have to be able to endure. Most people don't finish the race, not because they didn't get started, but because they didn't get finished. 
A lot of people start something. Not very many, not very many finish something. And and starting and finishing require two different things. Starting requires initiative. Initiative. If I'm going to get started, I've got to get myself up. I'm going to take some initiative. I'm going to get up there. I'm going to, I'm going to get on the line. I'm starting. But now, if I'm going to get to the end, I've got to endure. Jesus said, those that endure to the end will be saved. I've got to endure. And see, you thought the tribulation was time to get you off course. And God sees the tribulation keeping you on course. Because he's saying, if you're going to finish, you've got to endure. The testing of your faith produces patience. Here he says, knowing that, Tribulation. See, I've got to back up. Verse 3. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulation. That's the third time this morning. It's only 11.52. And we've already heard for the third time today that it's the perspective that changes the outcome. Jesus said, be of good cheer. James said, consider it all joy. And now Paul says, we glory in tribulation. Knowing that, why can I glory in tribulation? Because I know that the tribulation is producing in me perseverance. And perseverance, character. And character, hope. Now hope does not Have unmet expectations. Hope does not disappoint. Disappointment is the result of unmet expectations. Hope brings us to our desired end. Hope does not disappoint. Because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Who was given to us. Our hope. In the midst of the trial. We remain hopeful. In the midst of the trial. I'm hoping in my God. Hope. It's my faith. With his grace. My faith. With his grace. Abraham is is taking on an assignment by God. See, God's assignment comes with trial. It's not God that's bringing the trial. But he allows a trial. See, we, we want 
we're the ones on the side of the mountain. We want God to fly by in a helicopter and get us to the top. And he's saying, I can get you to the top, but you won't learn anything. I, I can get you there. That's not the problem. But will you believe in me to get you there? Will you endure to get there? Will you persevere to get there? The test and the trial is not coming to get you off course. It's to get you on course. So I can get you to the desired end. Faith with grace. Faith with grace. I I don't know who it is today. You're in the midst of the trial. You're in the midst of the test. And you've been missing a part of the equation. I don't know. I don't know if you if you know that God has the grace, God has the ability, He has the empowerment, but our our faith has been weakened. Our faith has been brought down. I don't know who it is that you've been working on your faith, but you've been trying to do it on your own. been trying to do it on your own you've forgotten that it's god performing you have forgotten that it's god's empowerment you've forgotten that it's god's ability that has to work in you and through you i want to tell you today the one that promised he's able to perform it let him perform it let him perform it god wants the glory God desires the glory. God desires to be exalted and lifted up. And in the midst of your trial, He will receive all the glory. He will receive all the praise. Because it was your faith in His grace. It's not by might. It's not by power. It's by my spirit, says the Lord. Father, we thank you this morning. We thank you this morning that our faith and our trust lies in you. We thank you this morning that there is your grace combined with our faith that accomplishes what you have brought us to. Father, our tests, the trials, the struggles that we face in life, the challenges and the challengers, Father, I thank you that we change our perspective. We see through the lens of faith. If we've become weak in faith, help strengthen our faith. You said that you've given to all a measure of faith. Father, we take that faith and we put it in you. We place our trust in you. We place our trust and our hope in you, knowing that the desired end, the desired outcome will be met as you perform through us. We give you all the glory, we give you all the praise, and we give you all the honor, not because we've come out of a trial, but as we go through the trial, giving glory to God, being fully convinced that he who promised 
is able to perform. Father, we thank you. We give you all the glory. We give you all the honor in Jesus' name. Amen.